welcome to Making Sense of Money, a podcast aimed at making financial concepts easier to understand. I'm Andrew Pellegrini. Last episode, we talked to Alan Sorcher and Ann McKinley from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission about how to leverage investing to reach long-term financial goals. If you're interested in learning more about investing, please check that episode out. And I'm Nikki Jankola-Shanks, your other co-host. This episode, we've invited one of Andrew's colleagues on, Ramya V., who is an international graduate student at University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign's College of Business, as well as a graduate student employee in the University of Illinois System's Student Money Management Center. The reason we're bringing Ramya on is because she has experience providing financial education to women internationally. International Women's Day is March 8th of 2023, and that is when we're hoping this podcast episode gets posted. Ramya, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background in financial education? Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Ramya Vaidhanathan. I'm a Master's of Science in Accounting student here at Keyes College of Business. Before moving to the U.S., I used to live in India. I'm a qualified child accountant in India. So I had the background in accounting and finance, which included personal finance as well. So that's when I started learning the importance of personal finance. And I slowly started teaching about it to women who are not very aware of personal finance concepts. Thank you, Ramya. Can you describe a little bit more about your experience specifically teaching personal finance to women in India? So it all started when, so we used to have some helpers in our house to do some chores. So she somehow lost 50,000 rupees over an online fraud. So 50,000 rupees is like 10 months salary of hers. She lost that because she just gave out the OTP to someone who just tried to scam her. So that's when I started telling her about how important uh, it is to guard our finances and how important financial education in general is. So from there, I started understanding that even people who were really, very well educated did not know the personal finance jargons thrown at them, understanding their investments and things like that. So I started training some people one-on-one uh, it was just like a service I did. So that's kind that's, of true. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, that, that's what I did. Yeah, go ahead. Even though like Rami and I have worked together for a long time, we really haven't talked about the, the way she entered into personal finance education. I knew she did personal finance education in India, usually on one-on-one, but I didn't realize it was because you, you personally observed someone as a victim of fraud. That is such a tragic story that someone experienced so much, such a severe amount of fraud. And that's what inspired you to help. Yeah, my my parents were bankers and she one day came running saying she lost all the money on, in her bank account that she had saved for someone's um, medical expenses. And my father tried to help her out with the resources that he had. But later we realized that she was the one who gave out the OTP to some random person. Wow, that that is a very tragic story, and it and 
personal finance, this is exactly what Andrea and I talk all the time about is that a lot of this is just the personal financial knowledge to be able to spot things, scams, fraud alert, you know, all that stuff is so tied into personal finance now. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, even three years ago, it wasn't nearly as much or five years ago, you know, it wasn't as prevalent. Why did you choose to focus on providing financial education to women specifically in India? So there are some cultural differences that still exist in India. In India, it was a male-dominated society for a long time, and only later uh, women came into the workforce and women had access to education in general. So they were people who still struggled to manage finances because they had to give all their money to uh, the men of the family. They did not realize the importance of having their own financial independence. So those people, I came across them. I did not come across men specifically. It just incidentally happened that they were all women. That makes sense, honestly. Like, especially if if you started providing education to a woman, usually we have more, as women, more personal confidants that are also women. And Mm -hmm. so like by the referral method, it makes sense you would have more access to women as well from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thinking about like your experience in India and even your experiences since you've gotten to the U.S., what do you think are some of the most common financial struggles for women? Common financial struggles for women involved a lot of cultural expectations. So some women in India are often expected to prioritize their family responsibilities over their financial goals. So that limited their financial independence. I think that makes a lot of sense in a lot of historically male-dominated cultures as well. Maybe not just yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So even like people from, you know, an educated family, they did not go to jobs because they were not allowed to in many cases. So having limited job opportunities um, limited their financial independence as well. Makes sense. So Namia, can you tell us how, when did you move over here? To the U.S.? Yes, sorry. Yeah, so I moved to the U.S. in October 2021. I got married in September and then I moved to the U.S. because my husband's here. And then I went back to India and then came here as a student because I wanted to pursue counting dreams. Having immigrated over fairly recently, um, because that's only like a year and a half ago, really, right? Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm sure you've noticed a lot of differences for women in the United States versus women in India when it comes to financial choices. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about you know, some, some of those differences that you've been able to see or experience yourself? There is gender pay gap all over the world, right? But in India, the gap is a little more larger. So I think that's one um, stark difference. And people in India do not have access to formal financial services easily. Like they do not have 
bank accounts are not everyone like they not everyone has a bank account or a credit card for example i have noticed that people in the us tend to have access to a lot more financial services but in india unless it's mandated some people don't even have a bank account women working in small scale they tend to take cash and they store cash traditionally in a box or something like that i think that makes a lot of sense and even within the us our unbanked population people without bank accounts is relatively small i think compared to india and obviously other developing nations and india is closer um mm-hmm. in far as far as developing nations go but well, i think in, if you're at- Sorry, I didn't mean to, because you said unbanked and you were like reading my mind. I was also thinking about banking deserts mm-hmm. um, that are clearly in the United States, in Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. We have banking deserts as well, mm-hmm. but um, it would be really interesting to compare how, what we consider a banking de- desert compared to how far other people in other countries need to travel in order to do traditional type banking. Well, and that our access to technology is very different and, and the cost of yeah. technology mediated banking services or financial services is very different too. Yeah. Do you, in India, is there a lot of online banking or not so much? Not so much. I mean, it's just coming into act, but people who have access to online banking resources are not a lot. Not a lot of underprivileged people have access to banking or online banking resources. It's more about who, I mean, if we go to a formal job and say a corporate, we do have privileges, but then an online banking resource is not easily available to underprivileged people. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think only within recent years, is it more accessible in the United States to underprivileged and underrepresented folks. Yeah, the female that I'm talking about, she just gave out OTP because she was not aware. So the awareness is something that is still building up in India. And everywhere, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like like you said earlier, Ramya, there's a big pay gap, income disparity between men and women globally. And in general, women make less than men across the globe. But there are some changes that are happening that are trying to close that that gender pay gap. There's just a lot more that can and needs to be done to close that mm-hmm. gender pay, pay gap, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of data from the World Bank on women in business and laws, which I'll put in the show notes. If anyone is interested in learning more, we looked up some data around India and the United States, and uh, there's even some graphics to help you understand how things have changed since the 1970s across different regions of the globe regarding these different elements of things that contribute to the gender pay gap and wealth disparity between men and women. It's very interesting to look at. I don't want to dive too deep down in that that data hole, but it is interesting to look at. Thinking about how far India has come, how far the globe has come in improving equality for the different genders, what makes you optimistic, Ramya, about the future of wealth building and financial capability for women? 
So in India, especially, there are laws coming up that there needs to be so many women working in a corporate or like this percentage of employees should be women employees. And they've also mandated women directors and stuff like that. So I think having such mandates or company policies would improve the scalability of going towards um, higher positions for women in India. So I think that's helpful. So given your experience with helping women and, and now, you know, you're also in school learning about this as well. What are some mm-hmm. of your personal favorite financial topics to talk about? Personal favorite financial topics that even I learned the hard way is having an emergency fund. I think we need to save up at least three times of your monthly salary. Um, that's pretty hard for a lot of people. But talking about that and then having a balanced portfolio without getting all in with, a, with the money in stock market or something or crypto. So um, I think having a balanced portfolio and emergency funds are my favorite topic in personal finance. Recently, you've also liked talking about taxes, but we're also in tax season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's my base. I have worked in taxation for three years. So I like talking about taxes as well. But it's very different in the US and it's pretty confusing because what I learned in India is very different from what I'm learning here. Oh, I'm sure. I I tend to confuse concepts and then... Well, more power to you that you love (laughs) talking about it because I find it one of those like we have to always, because it's so confusing being a financial educator, you do have to talk about it. But I uh-huh. personally, it is not my favorite to talk about because it's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wide. I agree with Nikki. I don't like talking about taxes. It's so important and it's so complicated. It's not my favorite for sure. Maybe that's why Ramya left it off our list. It's not actually her favorite. She's just talking about recently. So, Romeo, we've talked a little bit about your your more favorite topics to talk about um, when it comes to personal finance, like making sure that you have a balanced portfolio, making sure that you have an emergency fund, kind of like those uh, healthy wealth building behaviors. Mm-hmm. What are some financial concepts that you think anyone can get value of out of, regardless of their gender or where they live in the world? The basics of budgeting, saving, investing, our credit scores, I think they are very relevant to everyone across where they live. Well, and cre- credit scores in particular vary depending on where you live. Like the credit yeah. uh, system in the United States, all of our credit bureaus function in multiple nations, but not all nations across the globe. And the way that credit credit systems work like in India or in Europe is way different than how Mm -hmm. it works in the United States. But I think definitely being aware of those budgeting concepts, saving behaviors when you can actually implement them. Not everybody can because we're talking about wealth disparity and gender pay gaps. So obviously (laughs) it's not... It's not going to be as easy for everyone, but just being aware of it being a valuable habit to establish, even if you have to start small is helpful. And then obviously like making sure to take 
risk avoidance type behaviors when you're investing, like making sure you have a diversified portfolio, balanced portfolio is definitely very helpful to everyone that's that's working towards wealth building. Certainly. So as we kind of wrap up, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about your experience supporting financial well-being of women? I think taking control of your own finances, trying not to be dependent on anyone for money. I think these two are very, very important, especially as women with the given gender pay gaps, culture and all those things. Thank you so much. Ramya, thank you for joining us and sharing your experience and your thoughts from working with you over the past year. I know how passionate you are about helping others learn and about personal finance and and helping to empower others with their financial well-being. So I really appreciate you being willing to come on and share your journey into financial education. Yeah, it was great. I know you and I have worked tangentially on the webinars, Mm -hmm. but I haven't got to have some more one-on-one time with you. So it's been really interesting learning about your um, personal experiences and just, you know, I think it's important for us to remember the differences and we're taught, we focus a lot on, you know, the personal finance education here, but there, there's so much that we can learn and um, learn about from other cultures and countries and, and what they do as well. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. So, and to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, please remember to like, subscribe, and share on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Thank you. And we will talk to you soon.